Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing? Welcome to another fine episode of the Knife Talk podcast. I just want to take a quick second because I feel like we haven't done this in a while. But just to say thank you to everybody for joining us. We're almost on, what is it, guys? 200, 300 episodes, something like that? We're three and weeks away from two from 200. From 200. You say you didn't know 200 or 300? I'm, I'll get I'm to not this good in a with math. And that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, this is a, a, a podcast. Or I, so thank you, everybody who's been listening since the beginning, and everybody who's new. Uh, if you are new, you know we, we're here to talk about knives, answer questions, give each other a hard time, answer each other's or ask each other some hard questions about bananas and tailpipes and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, we always started out by getting catching up on the past week. Um, I'm oh sorry. My name is Marco Malmasi. I'm here with Craig Lockwood, El Capitan of Chop, uh, Chop Knives, and Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. All right, guys, you want to get into it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, my so yeah, we start with talking about our week every week. So my week, this is going to be a bit of a therapy session for me. This one, oh, bit of a therapy session. So a bit Good. like uh, Jeff's podcast. This one. Um, <laughs> I've struggled like hell, like hell for the well, the last few weeks. My my wife has been really sick, so she's almost been sort of bed bound. Um, so I've had uh, the pleasure of spending all my time with two two year old terrorists who are running around the place, destroy <laughs> dropping bombs all over the place, destroying the place, um, and it's, it's been pretty difficult. So we've had some um, some extra troops flown in today. Um, some of Amy's family have come over uh, to lend a hand, um, which did mean that for the last two hours I've been in the pub welcoming them to the village. Mm. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so I've had one of these really weird weeks where it hasn't uh, been good at all. It's, it's been some sort of really low points. But um, at the moment, I'm a few drinks in and I'm feeling feeling pretty good. Uh, work-wise, I've had... Ah, I've got some. I've got some. I've had some packaging come, which is nice. Right, look at that. Uh, look at that gold. Awesome. Yes. So um, yeah, awesome. I've had some lovely packaging delivered um, for these folders, which are released on the, th- I believe, the third of September. Um, so yeah, I've been stamping them. So all that gold, the, this gold stamping that you see on all my boxes, that I do that with a, like a hot foil machine. So in the little downtime I've had, I've been doing that, stamping up these these boxes and so on. So wow. um, that's been that's been my week, unfortunately. Um, not much knife related to talk about, um, but I'm sure we're going to get into more of this uh, during the show. Uh, Mareko, your week. I mean, how's it going? Yeah. I mean, this is a big week for you. You're coming up to yeah. your 45th birthday this weekend. 
<laughs> You're off by about 12 years. Uh, or was it? No, eight years. Anyways, um, I am doing good. Yeah, my birthday is tomorrow as we record this on Fridays. Yeah, my birthday is on Saturday. Uh, super low-key plan is to just hang with the family. Um, COVID numbers have been jumping up around here, as I think they honestly have been all over the fucking place, especially in France and East Coast and, yeah, just everywhere. And a lot of places going back into lockdown. We've been kind of isolating ourselves from family because, um, you know, issues with the Delta, you know, and, and people who have been vaccinated um, still being able to transmit it. Um, and we have family members who have comorbidities as well as we got young kids who are getting sick. More more young kids are getting sick with Delta uh, than previous stuff. And so we've just kind of been doing our own thing. So um, my plan for tomorrow is just to hang out with my kid all day. Uh, we have what's called a pump track here where you go, uh, you take your bicycle and it's got like these little up and down hills and embankments and stuff he loves that and this past week um so he's been riding uh like a a, what's it called a strider bike just a balance bike for like the last like since he was like two and a half three years old and he's killed it and but in the last year he got a pedal bike but he he hasn't really used it and then this last week he just like it just clicked and he just started ripping on that bike and he loves it. He's so obsessed with this bicycle right now. It's a pretty decent bike. It's also a hand-me-down. Um uh, but anyways, uh so he's going to take that. We're going to cruise and do that. We're going to stop by. We have a great uh French bakery in town. Uh we usually pick up some uh Queen Amand and some uh macarons um that we like to snack on what? for the afternoon. Nice. Macarons? What are those? Huh? Macarons. The li- what was the first one? Queen Amal. It's like what a. It's like a. It's like a croissant pastry, but it's like shoved in instead of rolled up into a croissant. It's shoved into like a tin, into a tin cup of some sort, and so it's kind of. It almost looks like a oh. croissant popover, but then it's got like this wow. beautiful uh, glaze on it, and it's salty and buttery, and it's all kinds of nasty deliciousness. Sounds good. Yeah, it's so fucking good. <laughs> all the stuff that uh, will kill you. Yes, all the best stuff. Um, and then in the afternoon, I'm going to go pick up. So I've been uh, craving like sushi slash poke for a long time. I haven't gone out and had any like raw fish kind of food in a long time. What's poke? And Poke is like a Hawaiian take or a Hawaiian uh, food where they basically take like fresh ocean caught fish. They chop it up into little like snack size like what like half inch cubes and they they usually toss it in some sort of like sesame uh sesame oil sesame seeds uh, uh i can't think of the soy sauce jeez i could not think of the word soy sauce that was ridiculous uh maybe some green onions and stuff anyways they they marinate it um i like the spicy one so i'm gonna do a couple different kind the spicy is just like a little bit of mayo with a um, masago which are like the little tiny like beady things and uh, some sriracha for some spice. Um, and then I'm also going to do, my plan right now is to bake some bread and do some steamer clams with some crusty bread on the side. And then wow. also do, I'm thinking about doing oysters as well. I, just, oh, I haven't had seafood in a really long time. You've got to just do like the oysters like um, Jeff sent me, I think last Christmas, he sent me the the whole thing about, you know, sticking them in the oven with, you know. Right. 
with butter or, or you know garlic and oh yeah, so yeah. good so baked baked yeah, oysters yeah yeah so I'm, i got that pizza oven so i'm gonna try to do as much of it in the pizza oven as i can i also have like a kettle grill like a standard weber kettle grill um and so anyways that's the plan for my birthday stuff also this last week i've been just forging damascus again like i had the week before um Cleveland has great steamers. Yeah, they sure do. Cleveland steamers are the best. Eric Carnavale is starting in strong. <laughs> if you're listening, you can join us on the pot. You can join us live on YouTube, but usually uh, Friday afternoons, and you can pipe in. And if you have a zinger, like we're talking about steamers, Eric Carnavale wrote, yeah, I heard Cleveland has great steamers. So that's a joke about a Cleveland steamer, which is not something that you eat. Definitely not. Do not eat that. Um, <laughs> I've been, uh, the last couple of days, I've been fabbing up uh, squaring dies. So for a long time, I've been avoiding making or buying squaring dies, uh, which in basic Damascus forging terms, they're a set of dies that come together and they nest to perfectly form a square. Uh, I've always kind of just adjusted the way I'm forging and stuff, but I've just, I just I kind of have just gotten to a point where instead of fighting the material, I need to just make these dies, and it's going to make my life a lot easier, as well as consolidating the material on initial welds and squaring things up. Um, so I've been fabbing those up um, the last couple of days and sourcing materials, and holy shit, do you guys know how, like, mild steel even is ridiculously priced i went to wow. uh we, we have a trailer like a like a tow trailer fabrication shop that sells like drops and um they had what was it like a three inch by five inch tube with like a quarter inch wall but it's a drop and it was like i think it was like 37 40 inches long they wanted a hundred and fifty dollars for something that was essentially scrap for them it was fucking bonkers. But it was by the weight. It's not by weight. They, They're selling it by the weight. No, they weren't selling it by weight. If they were selling it by weight, hmm. it would be like 50 cents a pound, and that thing would be like 25 bucks. Wow. They were, charging, that's, that's they were selling it like it was like brand new, straight off the shelf. They custom cut it for you prices. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not <laughs> paying that for some scrap, for, for your scrap. Then the thing was coated in like a solid, thick layer of rust. I was like, okay. this thing is... Been out here a long time. You want $150? I'm sorry. I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> so, so when you're making dyes, sorry, Mareko, what, what steel yeah. are you using? Does it need to be super, right now, super hard? Because obviously you're hitting softer stuff, I'd assume. Yeah. So ideally, she said. Yeah. Uh, ideally um, you are working with something like H13, which is a, a typical dye steel. Um, problem is that material not only is expensive, but it's also hard to machine like if you're gonna take the time and get that, you you want to machine it properly, and I I don't have the money and the equipment to do that, so I'm building it all out of mild, and um and so I've just been using I happen what is it I have one and a quarter inch square stock that I split and tack back together, and I'll I'll, I'll post I'll have to post up pictures, um but in adding like half inch mild and half inch by like three inch stock and just putting it all together so um so that i can build these at least right now and build these uh squaring dice because i need them now i do have some large uh i don't know if you'd call it plate or what but it's three inch thick material what would you call that jeff is that plate is that flat bar still yeah i mean it's depends on the i mean it depends on the it sounds like flat bar to me yeah 
Yeah. So ideally I hook up with somebody, connect with somebody who can help like either plasma or water jet some dyes out of that in the future. But I've been sitting on that for a couple of years and I just haven't taken the time, like I said, to do anything around squaring dyes or trying to figure mm-hmm. out somebody to work with. And I think these will work for now, but they they need to be more legitimate, kind of more serious squaring dyes and uh, because they're not so, going to last forever. When you say squaring dyes, do you mean dyes that are with 45 degree angles so when you hit down yeah. they'll cause an net right okay yeah, yeah. just yeah. trying so to get in my hand together what it was. to make yeah. to make a square yeah gotcha. and re- i guess that was a my hand does not make a perfect square anyways that's it oh actually it's not it one last thing just came out last night is my uh a platen that i co-designed with the broadback people uh, our friends vince and ryan over at broadback um, this is a platen. When I first built my own grinder, this is a style of platen that I that I built for myself, and it's got a two-inch contact wheel at the top and a four-inch on the bottom, with the regular platen in between. Um, you can still use like your integral grinding small wheel. You, you can use the slack belt attachment. You can still use it flexibly with a bunch of stuff, but you also have those additional wheels, and it's on a platen that can tilt either forward or back so you have access to those to do uh hollow grinding on either a small two inch wheel or four inch wheel in addition to them just running as a normal grinding set and it's extra deep so my my thing when i'm sculpting my handles i'm like i sculpt left-handed and right-handed and i'm i'm flopping that knife handle all all the way around basically the belt and so clearance is a huge necessity for me and and that was one of the things i talked to them about and they it looks like they did a really great job um they're going to be sending me um one of the prototypes and for just just to double check make sure things are looking good and um and then i think they're going to be opening it up for pre-orders in the next couple weeks Nice. Remember kids, That's great. remember kids, Knife Talk 10 will get you 10% off. Yeah. At broadbeckironworks.com. Yes, yes. <laughs> More about that later. <laughs> Jeffrey, your week, how's it gone? I mean, it was fine. It was good. It was a lot of heat treating and um, and preparing for, you know, the future, future things. Uh, How did your beach day go? No, very nice. Very nice. We went to the beach, and uh, it was, it was, it was very nice. It was very nice. We just kind of had a nice day of just doing nothing. It was a little uncomfortable for me, but other than that, it was fine. Uh, I'm not used to just kind of sitting around. Mm-hmm. I read the paper, and you know, shot the shit, and it was fun. Read it was the good. paper. I, I took the a beach. That's that's well, like my old man. My, my dad as a kid. <laughs> when we go to the beach, he'd have his socks on. He'd read the paper, and he'd be like. Right. You're on the beach. Yeah, right? well, yeah. <laughs> if it makes you feel even better, I was all I had was in my head was my dermatologist saying, you know, don't be in the sun. So I was like <laughs> under a, a know, giant umbrella. So, <laughs> uh, it wasn't big enough. Trust me. Next year it's going to be bigger, bigger umbrellas. Um, yeah, we had some fun. Uh, this is like late season baseball, and and the Yankees have been a lot of fun. I actually did some. Uh, Jacob Norris says, "How about them Yankees? Yankees right now are on a seven-game win streak." And there, I did a uh, I did a live stream during the game at my shop, and it was so much fun. It was like very exciting. Actually, it was a very exciting game. So, 
we did that. And then um, I actually had a really, I had like this epiphany. I'm about to interview uh, Steve Schwarzer for the Full Blast podcast. And I was kind of going over some of the stuff that you and I, we all had talked to him about. But then I was listening to um, another um, another podcast, uh, Josh Smith's podcast with him. And I was, I was really interested about, you know, kids growing up and, you know, Steve Schwarzer, Master Bladesmith, one of the greatest, the guy who created, you know, so much, so many things and been such a support. You know, he, when he was younger, his dad was in aeronautics. And I'm going to, so I'm looking at, into what he's up to and, he, you know, the oldest of five. And his father was very involved in making airplanes, but also he was making airplanes at his house. So I guess they had like a barn and he was building his own airplanes. So I was thinking about that and I was just like, this is pretty interesting because, you know, the relationship between the parent, the the father and the kid, and then what's that like? And, you know, it was very interesting. I was thinking about it. And then I was, I had to take my kid to the dentist in the morning one day, you know, throughout the week. And... And I was, um, I was, I dropped her off and then they said, all right, we'll be, she'll be ready in a half an hour. So I thought I'm going to run to the shop and put my knives in the kiln to start heat treating. And then I'll run back, pick her up, drop her off wherever she needs to go. I said, I'll have plenty of time. So I'm on the way, way back. The, you know, the dentist said half an hour. I was, you know, it was 25 minutes or so. And then I get a message from my kid saying, where are you? And I'm like, well, I'm five minutes away. She goes, where did you go? And I said, well, I, I went to the shop and I'm going to be right back. And, and then when she got in the car and she was very quiet with me and she's like, I said, are you, I said, I'm really sorry. I thought that the, you know, the dentist says to me half an hour. I know it's 25 minutes. I'm sorry about that. And she's like, I just didn't know where you were. And I'm like, I have texted me and everything's fine. And I was like, are you mad at me? And she goes, no, I'm not mad at you, but you know, I didn't know that you were doing this and I was waiting. And, and I was like, this is kind of weird. And it was interesting because I talked to my wife about it. And she said, ah, she's a 16-year-old. Don't worry about it. You know, you're trying to get stuff done. And at the same time, like, running these errands and trying to, like, run a business and have a family and do all this stuff. He's trying to, like, you know, if I could squeeze in, you know, blah, blah, blah. You get it. So the next day, I'm, you know, walking the dogs and kind of contemplating the Steve Schwarzer thing. And all I could think of is, you know, Steve Schwarzer probably, his dad probably didn't say, okay, now you have to live your life like you're making airplanes or now you have to he probably absorbed the fact that his father was working on these big projects in his house that probably people said you can't do like i would imagine in the 50s and 60s people would say it a bit to to steve schwarzer's dad what the fuck are you doing and i can't build an airplane you're crazy i'm sure he was just like you don't don't worry about that so i'm assuming i made the i made the connection that basically steve is like he's used to you know, he's used to these kind of, you know, support and taking on jobs that are probably bigger than you. And, and I started thinking about the relationship between parents and kids. I started mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, a lot of it isn't being heard. Isn't what the kids hear or the parents say. It's what they see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what they see. And then I had this, it was like a light, lightning bolt. I ran home. I saw my kid. I said, I just wanted you to know I apologize. And she just looks at me and she goes, why? And I said, well, growing up, I was very much along the lines. If, if you're late... For something not only are you it's it's a big it's a big it's not a big it's a big problem for me to a certain degree because i see it as on a subconscious level that you don't care about other people's time it's disrespectful to a certain degree it's also narcissistic because you think i'm going to kind of my lateness is going to be part of obviously if you're in traffic or you're calling ahead or something like that's a different situation but um i started to you know she sees that my wife and i are very much you know on time doing our thing and stuff like that. So I know that she absorbed this feeling of 
you're not here where you're supposed to be here. You're not, you're late or whatever. And I explained this to her and the smile rose over her face. I said, unconsciously, you were pissed at me because all I know is you've, I've trained you to really dis, you know, think that being late is a sign of disrespect. And that wasn't my, my, my decision. And it was interesting. It was interesting because it was all about this concept of the relationship between kids and their, and their parents or whatever, how makers in general, and getting back to it, how makers and with the full blast podcast, all the people I've been talking to, the relationship, the, the decisions that people make and is based on the behavior that people have, whether or not it's influenced by positive traumas or negative traumas. And it isn't like, you can't just, you know, tell your kid here, let me read you a, a, a quote. You know, when I was walking my kid, when she was younger, I would tell her these things and she would, she'd roll her eyes and be like, what, you done with this lecture? And I was just like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it to you. And then, but, but that's the, that's the thing. It's this, it's the idea of like people are, especially makers are inspired, either, they're either inspired by the actions of their parents, the behavior of their parents, or in spite of their parents. And it was very, very interesting. We had a long conversation. They ended up talking to my wife about it. She's like, yeah, you're right. You know, when I was a kid, my dad used to say, do as I say, not as I do. It doesn't really work that way. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, kid, you know, kids become, you know, if their parents are alcoholics, your chances of your kid being an alcoholic is very high because you can't just say, well, all right, I'm an alcoholic, but you're not allowed to yeah. be. They, they know what they know. So it was interesting. And, I, and it really made me think about makers in general and in regards to, you know, as parents, how we, you can't just tell your kid to do something. You kind of, they have to like be, they have to see it themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. completely. 100%. Without a doubt, yeah. Ah. This is the so, on the couch um, part of the uh, part well, of the show. On the couch with Jeff. Yo, <laughs> listen. At some point, Columbia University or one of these universities is going to have to give me a doctorate because <laughs> I have like I have used every single person I've talked to has become this part of this aggregate of how, why people do what they do, mm. and it's always. Because they were inspired, they were encouraged by their kids. And I was talking to Fingal Ferguson. You know, his dad was very, you know, bold. He's bold in his decisions that he made and in terms of the farm. And then he passed that boldness on to his kid to take chances. And, you know, there are other people who did things in spite of their parents, like me. Yeah. You know, like I did things because my dad told me I couldn't do it. So it's like there is this connection between everyone that I find to be very fascinating. Hmm. So what do you guys think about it? I agree. And if I'm sort of evaluating myself, I'm very much on on the case of despite of my parents. My parents... (laughs) I I could tell you what my parents had for dinner in 1987 if it was a Tuesday night. Or if it was 1992 on a Tuesday night. Because they just do the the same thing all of the time. Everything is very sort of regimented. They never sort of travel outside their normal route. They don't, you know, they don't go far. And I don't remember, I, I, I remember being sort of 17, learning to drive and seeing more of the world than I'd ever seen before, you know, just, just driving locally. Yeah. And th- I remember that almost vowing to myself that I'm not going to be like that. You know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to see the world, I'm going to, you know, taste everything, basically. Um, and that's, that's despite my parents. It's the complete opposite yeah. to the way that they live. But yeah, you're right. People are either not mimicking their parents, but almost mirroring their lives, or they're doing the complete and utter opposite to try and break that sort of chain, I suppose. You take a little bit of all of it. Mm. You know, you end up, you're, you're inherited. I mean, my kid was 
angry at me for a real very, I mean, it was, we weren't even talking like, I wasn't even really late. It was just like, but from like a very deep unconscious level, (laughs) she was pissed. And it was just like, what the fuck is this all about? I'm just like, I know why I planted this seed. I planted this seed long time ago and it's very clear. And the revelation that she had when I admit, I admitted it, she's just like, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like you disrespected me by not being here when you told me it would be. It was really, really interesting. And and, and so. she's now a woman, so you can you can basically do nothing right. You know what's going to be wrong. She, it's, <laughs> it's it, there is. I I have to pick my battles. My I'm very very strategic in the house. I'm very very strategic. So it's like it's very very good. But at the same time, it's hard not to. It's it, here's really what it comes down to is when you're dealing with your kids. It's it's not. It's all talk is cheap. You have to like set an example and it can't be just like, you know, blathering on to them about, you know, what you should be doing with your life. You got to like, they, they're going to watching you from like a very, very close level and they're not going to miss a step, mm. you know? So if you're being an asshole, that's why what Joe Rogan used to say, assholes raising assholes. That's the problem right now in this world is people are learning how to be assholes from their parents. Not because I'm telling you to be an asshole. I'm just saying, yeah, I am an asshole and this is the way mm. it is. And you are too. And I'm not going to say a word, but I mean, my behavior is going to be your behavior and you just got to be aware of it. But Here's the big question that ev- I think everybody's wondering. You were running late. How did those knives turn out? They're fine. You- I mean, was it worth was it worth the aggravation? Yes, because I had like some sort of uh, mental clarity <laughs> at the end of it, but it was fine. I mean, it, I put them in and I picked her up and by the time I came back they were still and in, you know what so, okay. you had the tap control you were on the Wi-Fi you knew exactly Night what Talk was going sponsored on sponsored by even heat the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available to find your next oven go to evenheat-kiln.com don't go to evenheat-kiln.com Get yourself an even heat, but go to soulceramics.com. Or even better, go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, which will take you to Soul Ceramics, but it'll automatically apply a discount, so you'll get $75 off and free shipping in the U.S. for any even heat that you want. You can spec it out yourself and make sure you get the tap control, just like Jeff has got, so when you're running late, you can check on the Wi-Fi and you can see what's going on. That's what you need. Look. Down in the description, we'll have the link, knifetalk.net forward slash heat, and that'll take you to Sword Ceramics. Spec it out how you like it, and you're good to go. There's some interesting comments in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the feed. If you're watching live, there are a lot of people responding. Life talk. Lando, we're getting some love yeah. for life talk this week. Well, here's the, guys, listen, listen to me. At the some point, we've been doing this now almost 200 episodes. We can't say the same thing over and over yeah. again. So we're trying to do new things to, you know, occupy ourselves and you because otherwise you're going to stop listening. So we have to be a little bit different. Yeah. Got it? Yeah. And if you are listening live and you're, you know, you can contribute to the show. You can, if you've got any questions for us, join in. We're all here together. We're all having a chat. Okay. We do have some questions from the public. The filthy public, as, as I like to call them. Um, <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, stop everything, stop everything. You were in the pub for two. For you were in the pub for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting the feeling. I'm getting the feeling that I we could have gone a little bit deeper into the. I, I feel like you were ready to like lie back and. 
kind of tell your tell some sort of deep dark shit. This isn't the show for that. Have this you had isn't a the few? show. You've got another show for that kind of stuff, Jeff. You know that. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. No, it's it's just it's just been mm. to, and you know, it's not just everybody's feeling feeling a bit difficult at the moment. You know, we're we're we're, we're living in difficult times, and you know, the news isn't good. You turn on the news, and it's it's just all it's just all bad bad news. Um, and aside from that, I've just yeah, I've had a house that's been covered in piss and shit for the last oh. eight weeks while these oh. kids are you know trying to uh, oh. get into get out of nappies and so on so yeah it's it's just been different and i've been tired non-stop anyway we are going to go through some questions um the first one is from um bad omen knives um hola to the tres amigos of knife talk my question this week is regarding finishing of scales at what point do you consider a knife handle finished? 400 grit, 600, or 1,000? I'm more concerned with tools that people plan to use, and I'm having a tough time finding the balance of polish versus everyday wear. So he's talking about the knife handle, basically, um, how far we'll go with a finish. Um, let's start with Moreco. Um Moreco has some beautiful, beautiful finished handles. Um, so let, let's get some tips from the master. Yeah, so... Um... I first learned how to sculpt handles when I worked for Bob, and we only took handles up to 400 grit. Um, and we usually finished with like a, a, uh, like a really worn out 400 grit belt that was basically kind of burnishing instead of really removing. You weren't really sculpting and removing material at that point. You were burnishing the surface. And you follow that with a polish, either a brown, black, white, pink any of those um it's gonna look pretty damn nice honestly um but in the last couple of years myself i've been playing with different uh handle finishes um but and and i've been taking them up to like six or eight hundred grit finish before kind of finish like putting a finish coat of either wax or whatever else on there um but yeah i think i don't think thousand is necessary i mean you can it i mean honestly it depends on the material too if you're working with antler bone mammoth tooth some sort of stone or um you know something that really is gonna especially like ancient ivory like walrus ivory or um uh ancient mammoth ivory it's really gonna benefit from a higher finish but you have to make sure you're working with sharp sharp cutting uh abrasive because and fresh abrasive because it's gonna burn it's gonna stink it's gonna ruin it and so you got to be careful with that um but yeah i think especially with with wood you can you can get away with you know four to six hundred grit it's a pretty nice finish it's a pretty damn nice finish actually yeah i'd say it depends massively on the material even with different woods um and you know you'll know when it's right but there is always that fine line of it's lovely to get something looking completely polished and, you know, the light shines off it when you turn it, that kind of thing. But how usable that is for a tool that's going to be used day to day, it's, you know, that that's always questionable as well. Um, I know Jeff uses a lot of G10 uh, and G10 can look beautiful when it's really buffed and so on, but it can be quite slippery in the hand, you know. So some people go for, a, I wouldn't say a rougher finish, but maybe not taken up into the thousands just to give you a bit more sort of grip um but what i have i've spent the last few weeks working with brass um and i finished a hundred handles um and what i love about brass is you can get this amazing finish on it 
but it's super super easy to do because it's it's obviously a really soft metal um so yeah you take it to sort of 400 by hand and from then on you're almost just buffing it up buffing it up until you get this mirror finish so it completely depends on on the material um but jeff i mean what are you doing with your hand i mean you do a mix of both wood and g10 so what sort of finishes you looking at i'm really looking for scratches like i'm looking for scratches from the previous grit so i'm constantly trying to change i'll make sure that before I finish it, there are no scratches. If there's scratches that you can see, then when you finish it, you're going to see it. I mean, I think that there's this misconception with mirror finish that as long as it's shiny, it's good. A lot of times, if you don't take out the mirror, when I was back in the metal shop, that we were doing a ton of mirror finish, or they called it mirror. We would always call it, the, you know, these guys are from Colombia and Ecuador, and they would call it mirror. <laughs> so when we were going doing mirror, it was like you had to make sure that you got rid of the previous grit scratches. And that, I kind of brought that into this because with a lot of woodworkers that I was working with before I started making knives, you know, they did a 220 and the 220 was enough. But with a knife, I mean, you do see an errant scratch. So I'm just, I go to 800 and then when I can't see scratches anymore, then I start to do a buff and I'll, I use, I've been using buffs, buffers more uh, for the, for, I mean, with compound for the um the the handles but i don't really go past 800 and i i use g10 i love g10 i'll use g10 as long as as long as i can i love it if i could just only use g10 i would only use g10 um i think wood's a little bit depending on the wood wood's a little bit more forgiving um you see the you see with the you see the scratches with g10 a lot more but I don't see the need to go past 800. I feel like it's almost too much work, especially if you've gotten all the little scuffs and scratches out with eight with the 800, and then you hit it with a buffer that pretty much takes everything away. Yeah. So finishes. You putting any finishes on on whether it's wood or G10? I use Axe Wax. So I mean, I love it. I think it's great. And um, yeah, I use Axe Wax. Once in a while, I use a little tongue oil, but mostly it's Axe Wax. Wax yeah. that axe. Put some wax, exactly. put some wax, wax on your axe. Ready for another question? Do it. We've actually had one in the chat um, from Baltic Blades. If you want to read that one, uh, I'll bring it I actually there. can't see it anymore. Oh, okay. He says, what ear protection slash headphones slash earphones do you use? Do you listen to the podcast while grinding? Does active noise canceling work in the workshop? What do you guys think? Um... I've gone through loads of different styles of headphones. Um, I'm now using um, in-ear monitors, so um, musicians use them a lot to, you know, to hear on stage. So it'll rather than have, of course, of course. us musicians. I wish you said us musicians. Us, mu- <laughs> us musicians use them a lot. That yeah. make, that makes me us laugh musicians. actually. Um, I, was, I was speaking to my wife <laughs> yeah. the other day and. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say she's gonna kill me? She's gonna kill me. Wait, wait, before you, oh, go ahead, say it. I want to kill you. Um, go ahead. We were talking, and this voice, <laughs> this voice, he put on almost like a fake voice, and she didn't mean to. And she went, "Go ahead." We were talking about you know the pandemic and all the rest of it. And she went, "Oh, how I miss live theatre." <laughs> and I've never laughed so. We haven't been to the theatre in probably ten years, and oh, it was it was ridiculous. But anyway, anyway. Um, yeah. Um, Can I just tell you one thing I've noticed about your voice right yes, now? Yes. Yeah. The more beer you have, the more you sound like Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Is that? Sh- yeah. Is you that have my, sh- my sh- you got a little sh- bit of. Sh- you got <laughs> I'm loosening up a bit. You got a little. Sh- you got a little. Yeah. <laughs> you're, loosh- you're loosening up a little bit. Great. Um, 
Yeah, so I use in-ear monitors, which um, us musicians use on stage. So um, <laughs> what it'll do, it'll almost blank out any hear anything you hear around you, and you'll get a personal mix in your ears, and it could be quite low in volume then. Um, so I use uh, Shure uh, 215s. Um, they're not that expensive, but they make a huge difference to using normal sort of earbuds or, or anything like that. The noise-cancelling stuff... Um, they work re- noise cancelling works really well for things like when you're on a plane and you've got like a low like humming noise or you know um air conditioning units that kind of thing they work really well for that but when you're in a noisy shop probably not so much um so yeah so that's what i use uh Mareko, do you listen to a lot in the shop uh, and if so what yeah. are you, what are you rocking yeah i'm constant i'm i'm constantly listening to podcasts and audiobooks occasionally music um but I've been using actually my ISO tunes, but sadly, after what a couple of years, maybe three years, I I've just worn them out basically. Like they're kind of starting to fall apart, sadly. So I got to start figuring out what uh, what to do next. Um, I will say I have not had a necessarily a good experience with uh, no quote quote-unquote noise-canceling features on any headphones. I found that um, the memory foam earbud tips um, have been a lot better at at kind of blocking out noise and allowing me to listen to music and podcasts and all that kind of stuff at a lower volume than than if I just use regular rubber tips. Um, I, I, yeah... The noise canceling has never really seemed to make much of any difference to me, in my experience. I maybe for all I know, maybe it actually is working, but I don't think it. For me, it doesn't seem to re- really be doing much. Hmm. I, you know, I don't think noise canceling when you're working is such a good idea either. Because I mean, you're just sure. driving it in. Now, this is not a sponsor of the show, but I will give you the greatest hack of all time, and I'm, I'm, this is better. That better than Bluetooth. Uh, I actually have Bluetooth. These are 3M. I use over-the-ear headphones with the radio built in. It's got radio and Bluetooth. And I'll tell you the best fucking trick. I, one of the things I hate about Bluetooth is you can only use it at one thing at a time. Mm. It drives me crazy. I'm, maybe I'm hand-sanding. Maybe I hit the grinder. Maybe I want to listen. To th- I don't want to stop listening. So what I did was, and I've used this now for eight years, and it's the smartest move of all time. If you get one of these little car radio sling devices, and basically what it does is nowadays you don't really need it because you can plug your phone into your car, your in the aux cable, whatever. It what it does is a small little box that has a digital readout of radio stations. Yeah, the trans- FM and transmitter. Yeah, FM transmitter for a car. But if you use it in your shop, you can tune all your radios to that to that channel. And then I have fucking five radios in, this cha- in the shop all tuned to this channel, including my radio for my headphones. So, like, when I'm on my headphones, I have everything going on. When I turn it off, I got the other things going on. I've got everything on at the same time. The audio is really good. I am for over-the-ear protection. I, I, the sticking things in my ear, I never liked. I've never liked that. And I feel like That's you what she end said. up... <laughs> Shin she shin she. <laughs> Look at you. You're so happy with that one. I, you did a good job. You did a good job. You did a good job, Sean. You did a good job. You're so happy with that one. I for sure. I fucking love it. So, I mean, uh, 
That's the problem with it. What I was going to say with the ones you stick in your ears, if you don't, if you don't, if you, if it's not loud enough, because you know, your fucking headphones can only go so loud. They won't let you go any louder. You end up pushing them farther in your ears. And it's like, and then to fight the grinder and to fight this, that, and fuck that shit. So I go radio. I sling everything to this one radio station. And then I am like, triple stereo everywhere i don't understand what you mean by fighting the different machines because if i'm wearing my inner earbuds i can walk around my entire shop i can even walk outside of my shop i could stand in front of my grinder you don't want to have your earphones in your head but if you don't want to have the earphones in your head i don't want to have them so the phones on my head if i don't need them right so what's key if i'm hand sanding what do i need my head my earphones for so what's key for me well i like it because occasionally a phone call comes in and i can just use the microphone really quick and what but what i found is um what for inner for inner ear protection is something that has an ear hook that can go over your ear because most of the time i you know i don't actually have the earbud shoved into my ears it's only when i'm like standing right in front of a loud machine do i have it shoved in otherwise they're just hanging there but i'm still hearing everything and i i never have an issue yeah i don't know with this, I with don't like sound. I don't I like things I like things in my ear the least possible and those 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 ones that you put inside your go ahead come on no no no, no I'm, I'm just saying great great <laughs> grateful nice to said about the Bose Quiet Comfort 35 uh, the wireless these are Bose Quiet Comforts that I'm wearing here um, but they're not the wireless they're wired um, the problem I'd have with that is that they're very sort of delicate I don't know I'd want these in a really sort of dusty grinding sure. environment um, but yeah. Maybe you do. I, I guess you my burn through lots of them. I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, I do prefer over ear. But the way my my respirator and my face shield and everything to take everything off is a fucking production. It's such a pain in the ass. Where my inner mm. ear stuff, okay. I can just hang it on my ears and it can literally stay there. My respirator goes over that. My mask goes over that. And if I need to answer, I just pop my quick latch and I can start talking to somebody right there. Um, and that's the reason I really like my, my inner ear for when I'm working in the shop. But honestly, like these are great. I love these over ear. They're, they're super, they're super comfortable. They're really great audio. It just doesn't work with the rest of my safety protection stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Morocco, sorry. You're going to take a question from the, um, that we've received this week, um, via Instagram. Yeah. And if you got a question, go DM us at knife talk. Contact us via DM at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. It's that easy. It's that easy. This one is from Austin uh, Seibert. He says, to keep up my... Oh, wait. I keep up my headphones. I like to listen... What the fuck is that? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading that wrong. I keep fucking up my headphones. And I realize I just realized we kind of just answered this question. This is a question about hearing protection. I'm gonna actually skip back to wow, the that's question. Uncannily, like the question we received in the chat, which is weird because yeah. we haven't had this question before. Most of these questions we've had millions of times, but yeah, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> so, Austin, I hope you were just listening to that previous conversation about hearing, hearing protection. Anyways, all right. This question is from Zach Reimer. He says. Uh, have you ever messed around with hot bluing Damascus? If so, what salts are the best in your opinion? Thanks in advance. Love the show. Have you guys ever played with bluing salts or chemicals? No. no. no do you I, know what? At first I thought that said hot gluing Damascus. I'm thinking, hot, that's not going <laughs> to stick. I can do that. That's it's super easy. <laughs> oh. 
Um, look at you laughing at jokes. Look at you, Craig. <laughs> nice. Laughing at laughing at all sorts of jokes. It's today. a giggle pants. This will be good today. Nice. Um, I actually haven't worked with hot bluing or chemical cold bluing either. Um, but from what I understand, a lot of people use the stuff from K and G uh, Supply Knife and Gun, uh, and I think it's uh, Brownells that makes a hot or a cold bluing. I think they also make a hot bluing, but that's usually that's more of like a, a gun thing. Um, but I think when it comes to bluing knives and you're doing it on Damascus, I think it's probably a great idea for most, or it's fine for most things except maybe culinary knives, because, especially with the cold bluing, like the chemicals involved with the cold, cold bluing are pretty gnarly. And you would... I don't think anybody would want that to, for some reason, somehow get into somebody's food and accidentally poison somebody. Yeah. So that is always the concern. Cool. Jeff, do you want to take another question from the uh, from Instagram? Sure. Um, sure, she says. <laughs> you, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. You take the next question. I want to keep you. I want to keep you talking as much as possible. You take the next question. <laughs> JD Custom Knives. <laughs> JD Custom Knives says, "Hey man, can I ask you a question? I'm starting to do more flat grinds and convex grinds. My question is about hand sand into a satin finish." After it comes off the grinder, the scratch pattern runs vertically on the blade, spine to edge. Um, and when you hand sand, you're going horizontally from pommel to tip. So what grit are you taking it off the belt, and what grit are you then starting with for hand sanding? Also, what's a good hand sanding grit progression to achieve a satin finish? Um, so he's talking about it's, it's coming off the it's coming off the uh, grinder, and obviously you have the lines running down to down to the cutting edge. Um, I generally come off the grinder at 400. Um, and then I'll start hand sanding back a bit. So around about sort of 320, I'll start hand sanding um, to take the direction uh, running from uh, running from the heel to the tip. Um, and my grit progression, I mean, we, we talked about this a million times. My grit pro- progression is generally 320. That was a tough one. 400. <laughs> yeah, fucking tough part. <laughs> that was tough. That was tough. Um, that was tough. 400, 600, 800, um, then 1,000, 1,200, 1,500, uh, depending on what I'm doing. Um, But I never more than double my current grit, if that makes sense. So if I'm on for a 200, I wouldn't go above 400 for the next grit because it's just a lot of work. Ah, Grit progressions. We love this topic. Jeff, what's your your favorite grit progression? (laughs) I'll tell you what. I do the maximum amount of grinding with a 36 with 36 grit uh, belt from combat. I use that as much as I can, and then I start to take down uh, the scratch. I see it like I heard Jason and I talking about it. Is is you know go to 36 as much as you can, and then afterwards, then you're starting to massage. He didn't say massage, but it's changing the it's changing the scratch pattern. So then I go down from there. 80 120 and then i'll go on to the disc grinder i do what a disc grinder is doing is taking the, the peaks off of the all the, the edges all the the peaks off the tops of the faces of the bevels and then i go 60 grits to 220 to no 60 to 120 to 220 to 400 mm. and then i start hand sanding but now i've been doing aaron goff beat the shit out of me <laughs> a couple uh, months ago he said to me you're not using mold polishing stones and you're making a huge mistake. 
And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And he said, again, he's like, I don't know why you don't you fool around with the mold. Po- I got some mold polishing stones. They're tiny little stones, different grits. And I've been using them, and I've actually been getting really good results at, for rough sanding, rough grinding, getting rid of, kind of changing, kind of putting in that satin finish. Mm. And I've been using the mold polishing stones and then finishing off with uh, uh, Rhino Wet 220. Then I go to 400. And then I go to 800, and then that's where I'm at. So, cool. Okay. And then I hit it a little bit, and then a little bit of uh, gray Scotch Bright just to kind of take a little bit of that, you know, make it a little bit more matte. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Because in effect, that dials things back again. Because I think the gray Scotch Bright is maybe sort of three, maybe 400 grit. Um, so it Scotch does, bright. but it gives you that nice pattern, doesn't it? Yeah. So stick yeah. with us for a few minutes because we're going to give you. Um, a lot of money off discounts for sanding and abrasives. Uh, but let's see how uh, Mareko gets on with his uh, grit progressions. Yeah. So I'm usually, I, I'm actually basically on the same program as Craig. I'm coming off the machine at about 400, sometimes a little higher, but I usually still start at around 320, 400 grit sandpaper. Um, and then I go 400, 600, 800. And then I call it good for the Damascus. If I'm doing a mono steel finish, uh, then yeah, finishing with the gray Scotch Bright, which you can get from Combat Abrasives, um, is a really, really strong move. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, we promised you some discounts, so here we go. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturer. Not that one, this one. Yo, Combat Abrasives what's up? makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. So look, that's fifteen percent off your belts. So that's going to be all your rough guy, your rough grinds, taking your bevels down. Then you're going to come to hand sanding, and that's where you want some special stuff. So we use Rhino Wet, um, and we can also get you a discount on that. So if you go to TexasFarrowSupply.com and use Knife Talk Ten, you'll get a discount on on your hand sanding stuff, your Rhino Wet as well. But remember, they also sell lots of other stuff for knife makers. So yeah, go take a look, TexasFarrowSupply.com and get your 10% off your Rhino Wet and lots of other stuff. And that should get you sorted. That's all your grinding sorted. And we've got you a good discount. What more could you ask for? Jeff, would you like to read out another question for us? Do you want questions or you want to change bits and do some tough scenarios? I got 
piles of them. Let's do a tough scenario. I like these. This is a new bit. So if you're new to the show, this is a new bit where Jeff lays down a tough scenario on us to find it, see what our metal is all about, see what our character is all about, really. And if you're in the chat, join in. Tell us what you'd do. I'm looking for honest... This is the problem with podcasts. There needs to be more honesty. People want to hear honesty. Last week, the trophy goes to Craig Lockwood for his honesty, and I get a lot of nice messages in regards to your heroism. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, <laughs> I won't tell you. Craig Lockwood is a fucking hero, and he should be treated as such. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to present some tough... And you guys have sent me some tough scenarios. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking, for, I'm looking for some... I'm looking for grit. I'm looking for fortitude. And... None of the like sex questions. Some of the sex questions you guys have sent. It's just like I'm not bringing it up. I'm not interested. We're not. This is not. We're not doing that. So I just I find it to be lowbrow, as my father would say, lowbrow. So the first one comes from our friend KLB. KLB KLB Gant says, "Here's a tough scenario. You've been offered a shop that is beyond your wildest dreams. Fully stocked in every tool and material you could ever ask for." Uh, and it's all free, but you can only make a design, a five knife design with no creative freedom for it. That's it. You can't use the shop for anything other than this one set of designs. Do you take the shop? This is a warm up question. Is guys. it, is it for, like forever and perpetuity until forever. the day you yes, die forever? Yeah. There's, no, you can't, you can't do like after the, after hours, you can't go in and do your own shit. So it's just the shop. It's no million dollar payoff. It's literally they're just going to give you the shop of your dreams. Right. I mean, you I'm could sure, part I mean, the shop out, like, maybe. You could what? Part out the shop. <laughs> if you want to make some money. I mean, this is a, this is supposed to be a warm-up question, so, <laughs> you know, don't... Top of my head, I, this isn't a I'm trick gonna, I'm going to say no, because, um, you know, it. The dream shop isn't that difficult to maybe achieve. And if you're stuck for the rest of your life doing something that you're not enjoying, what's the point? What's the point? Uh, Mareko, where are you going? No, definitely no. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, Kale, that was a pretty, that was a layup. That was a layup <laughs> question. I, I asked him a few more questions. He's like, I said, can you do anything else there? He's like, no, that's it. I'm like, all right, this is the layup. This is the, this is the, the warm-up round. Okay, so I put in one that said, okay, all right, here's one that's interesting. If you were asked to link up with a brand or a personality to make knives with or for, and it possibly would, would embarrass you in the community, mm. but the money was great, would you take it? As in, let's say, here's a good example. I interviewed Matt uh, Stagmer and Ilya uh, Alexiev at different times and they were on this show and the last episode and they you know they refused to be on it was they were to build a spongebob square pants spatula and they both found it to be beneath beneath them to the point where they refused to be on the episode i think matt was on there a little bit but it was like they they both on my podcast they both talked about how they were repelled repelled it embarrassed them to the point where they refused to be on the thing if you were in a situation where somebody was said, oh, we want you to be, let's just say My Little Pony comes up and says, or give whatever, Peppa Pig, whatever you, whatever you want, something that would embarrass you. You couldn't go to Blade Show anymore. Like, you would be like, I don't want to answer any more of these questions. But it was like life-changing money. Would you consider it? 
Okay. So Peppa Pig approach you. The guys at Peppa Pig approach you and say, look, we want to do right. my first knife um, for right. kids. It's going to be a Peppa Pig branded knife. Could it be in collaboration with Chop? Right. Uh, and what, did, did you give it an amount? Did you give us a... Life-changing money. Life-changing You think money. about it yourself. Life-changing money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I like the sort of design okay. element. But you, I, but I like you that like kind of making a product. Right, you, like, you like Peppa Pig. I though, also love kids. Peppa Pig, yeah. Okay, so let's find something that would be a little humiliating. <laughs> a little humiliating that you wouldn't be able to, like, think about something that you would be embarrassed by. Like something that's just like so people walk, you walking past people and you know, up under their breath, they're being like, yo, that shit is so hack. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Um, if it's life changing money, I'm, I'm, uh, I think so. I, 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 you're the man. You are still as the long man. As you're not you struggle harming, with these answers. My, my always thing is if you're not harming anybody. Yeah. I mean, whatever you do, somebody's going to have an opinion on it. Somebody's not going to like it. But it's just because somebody doesn't like a, a brand or what? I mean, if the brand is doing harm, if it's if it's a horrible, horrible brand that you know people know it, they're just okay, yeah, yeah, filthy. It's, we're not talking no. about like you know Hitler's <laughs> Hitler's uh, you know A and P. Yeah, I'm talking about but if, like. <laughs> but if it's literally just embarrassment, I think nah, I'm 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 up for it. I'll, I'll take the life changing. See, money. but you don't go to Blade Show. I don't. You don't go to Blade Show. I'm pretty so much like, hidden you know, here in my little room. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. See, I mean, like, Mareko and I go to these things that we, know, we, you know, you meet people, you know people, you, you know, you recognize or are recognized. You walk around, you're like, are you, are you going to go in there thinking, oh, I'm going to fucking hate this shit? Or, you know, is this what I want to be associated with, you know? Life change of money. Do you, do you need to be yeah. then sort of go into uh, Blade Show and so on? Oh yeah, life changing money. You don't go to the Blade Show anymore, do you? <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, it's just like Blade. Where Atlanta? I'm not going to Atlanta. Are you crazy? Why would I go to Atlanta for? See a Braves game? Uh, Forget it. Uh, Maraca, what's your initial thoughts on this? I think I would do it. Honestly, I mean, Craig already spoke to a lot of the reasons why, and helped reason to me why it would make sense. Um, but yeah, honestly, like I have enough humility that I can do something silly as fuck like that and step back and be happy about being able to support my family in that way, especially like it's, that's not going to be the end of my career. If I go out like that, then that might be a different story, but I'm, I'm not even 30, I'm 36 and 364 days old. I got time. I'm trying to find the button on here to kick people out of the uh, out of view in this live. Rainy Day Forge. But Craig's knives already look like they might be inspired by My Little Pony. You. Oh. You. Son of a bitch. Can I, these Canadian, you know, the Canadians have this reputation of being very polite. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly, slowly finding myself not feeling that way. This, is, this, this whole story is interesting because something actually happened to me yesterday. I got uh, reached out by... Uh, my friends at Bon Appetit and Condé Nast, and they're going to we're going to do another video, potentially. Wait, so the, I'm wait, actually the, I, I, you got reached out, <laughs> reached out. <laughs> I got, a, I got an email. Out. <laughs> Listen to you. Listen to you. I get they reached out to me. Okay. They reached out to me. They got my email. Okay. <laughs> I got reached out. That's not good. You don't like that. You don't like being no one. <laughs> no one's. You know, that's not good enough for you. Reached out. I got reached out. <laughs> uh, I got reached out. That's not good? That's good. It's no good? It's good. It, st- it sticks. It, 
<laughs> so they they so they re, that got reached out by um, Condé Nast, and we got a, we got a, they sent me some. Uh, they're doing a new show. They're done with the last the epic here. The uh, I don't think Epicurious is doing that price points anymore. I think that they're. I think that that jumped the shark. I think I made it jump the shark. To be honest with you, <laughs> or it was either me or the pickle guy or the coffee guy. Who the hell knows? To be honest with you, like all of a sudden you got meat guy, pickle you guy. got cheese woman, knife guy, and then all of a sudden it's just like mustard man. What, what, what are we doing here? So I shouldn't make any jokes because you know that deal hasn't been done. But uh, they reached out and they said we we're going to do this new show and we wanted to know if you wanted to be interested in it. We're going to do a Zoom call and I watched their the videos of the ones that they've already done i don't think they've released them yet and i was thinking about i was very conscious of how i was going to be perceived in regards to the thoroughness of it and i was so last night in sleep i was kind of working out ideas i'm going into this meeting very very prepared in regards to ideas and making sure that i have some control because like we've said in the last oh but p.s we were talking about the food network they took that video down they took the video, the one I was bitching about. I don't know if it was the message I left and there was a lot of people, you know, liking it or whatever. They took that thing. They took, the video we were talking about last week, they took it down. And I was very conscious of how I was going to be perceived in regards to what you don't want is you don't want people saying he's making it up or he's lying, yeah, especially people in the industry. So it made me think about this whole thing in terms of, how you how are you to be perceived by your peers or by your you know whatever the decisions that you make and stuff like that the you know dancing and shucking around is that something that i want to be known for and it was very interesting to me because um i would say it would be it would be a hard decision it would be a hard decision if I, in my mind i'm thinking like you know i'm connected to you know I, I couldn't even think of some examples. And the other thing is, is I write these questions and I try not to think about them because I feel like you think you guys think that I'm like spending all this time so I don't come across a certain way. So I'm like trying to avoid thinking about them so I don't really have an idea. But it was a tough one because, you know, you don't want to look like a dick, you know, hmm. you, or, you, or you don't want to look like you're comp- – I mean, you don't want to look like you're totally selling out. You know what I mean? Like – so okay, you're a big Yankees fan, right? Let's say the the Red Sox um, come to you and say, "Look, we want a an official Red Sox right. knife, and we want to work right. in partnership with you." So it's going to be a fader knife, um, oh, but it's yeah. going to be you know an uh, official. This one is easy. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking the money. Okay, okay. So Yang- <laughs> I mean, I love the- baseball. To me, baseball to me is my psychiatrist. But like any psychiatrist, you shouldn't have a personal relationship with the psychiatrist. So like, you know, no, I got no problem with that one. I, I was trying to really think of some things that were really like, you know, I had an, oh, here's some examples. I had an opportunity to meet uh, Hillary Clinton and I chose to say, I chose not to because I just, you know, I find that politicians in general, every single one of them are so odious. I really, I don't, I don't feel the, this I don't feel the celebrity. I don't feel the love and desire of these public servants as celebrities. Yeah. I had an opportunity to make a knife for Trump, and I turned it down. These are these are things that, like, of course, was I offered millions of dollars? A hundred percent, no. But I was just like, there were certain things I just didn't want to be associated with. Politicians are one of those things. So it was just like there are things that I've turned down that, with the prestige, could have been amazing, or not, or maybe not. But it would have been controversial to a certain degree. Yeah. And I try to stay away from that shit. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, the, the, that the, was the warm-up. Re, re, the reaction to, do you want to meet Hillary Clinton? And I said, no. 
was a little bit disarmed. They were a little bit like, whoa, what's the matter with you? I'm like, I just don't want to meet any of them, to be honest with you. But I was like, I didn't have a poker face. I said, oh, no, thank you. I was just like, Ugh. no. <laughs> um, here's another one. So let's say you have a customer who has com- a completely different set of political values than you. To the point where it's like, I don't know if I want to publicly be associated with this person, but it's like, does it really matter? Would you take the job from that person? I actually had a person once say to me, I would never get anything made in New York because they don't like the state of New York. Oh, wow. And it's just like, all right, well, no problem, dude. I mean, fine. No problem. Yeah. You know, you like that. You like that New York taxpayer money, though. Don't, 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 you know, come on, man. Okay. I think my... If you'd asked me this question maybe four or five years ago, it would have been different. I think four or five years ago, I would have probably have said, no, you know, it's up to me who I work with. And if people aren't thinking the same as, you know, and on the same wavelength, you know, I'll go somewhere else. Um, Mm. But I think we've all been through this this sort of time where everybody's been sort of pitted against each other. And there's, you know, if you're not with me, you're my enemy, that kind of thing. And I just think I'm completely over that, you know, just because somebody doesn't... feel the same as me about something else doesn't mean they're a shitbag you know so i think maybe i've just matured a bit over the last few years um and i think yeah just because somebody may have a different opinion on something doesn't mean they're a bad person so <laughs> yeah I'll, i yeah as long as we're not talking you know extremes of things here um of course. obviously but you know if it's just be you know i i i think differently i have a, a different opinion on something political i mean you know we're a democracy. People can think what they like, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're that they're not a good person. Um, but yeah, I think a few years ago, I, w- I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought the complete opposite. Hmm. So, so I th- I think yes, as long as it's not too extreme. I think why not? What do you think, Morocco? Can you repeat you the question? To be sorry, have ahead. someone have the same? The question is really same ideological um, stance. If you have a cu- if you have a customer. Yeah, you have a, you have a customer who is completely a different set of political values than you do, or ideological or ethical or whatever. Something that it's like, can you work with this person? I, I'm pretty confident. I've sold lots of knives actually to some extremely conservative people, and that's, I think that's fine. I I have so yeah, I would I would and I have, and like to to. Uh, yeah, to add what Craig was saying. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fine for people. I have very close personal friends who have a very extreme politics from where I stand. We're still friends. We we still can get along and have a good time talking to each other, sitting down, talking shit, drinking beers together. We don't have to agree on everything to be friends. Hmm. And I think the same thing goes. You don't have to be agree with somebody completely on everything to have a business relationship should be easier in fact to have a business relationship because it's just business i like i like these answers i do believe that it's more important for us to have different opinions and be able to talk about them Hmm. than to just isolate yourself in the the bubble of the 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 only people who (laughs) listen to the or believe the same things you do i think that's an incredibly big mistake yeah. Okay. So basically, all this comes down. Every question is: if they give me money, I'm in. 
That's the last you, three weeks we've worked that For out. you. Yeah, for you. It's like, I mean, you know where your side of your bread is buttered. You're, you're, you're unbelievable. It's fine. You, you have complete, your moral compass is facing due to your wallet. You know, it's great. Um, all right, here's another one. You got a big batch. You did a big batch of knives with material that you were assured was stabilized. You were told, you were guaranteed that it was stabilized. And then after Recall a year, all of them. you know, everything's been sent out. <laughs> Every, everything, after a year, people start, a few people start sending back the knives because they've swollen or something like that. What would you do? Hmm. I'm taking all the knives back. Everyone, even Straight if all me. of them, even if, if, even if you got like two or three of them, you, got a, you put out a hundred, but two or three come back, you're recalling all hundred? Well, okay. If somebody's not having an issue with it, then, like, because, because even within a batch, some handles, even if they have been stabilized, some will get, kind of, they'll be kind of funky and fucked up, but most will not. Even if they were all not stabilized, if if the person who owns the knife is okay with it, okay with it, then I. Then I would. I guess I wouldn't necessarily recall, but the ones that had issues, I 100% would take those right back. I might even send an email out that says, "Hey, this seems to be a trend on these knives that have been made with this certain material. If you have any issues, let me know," and leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Send them back. Mm-hmm. I'll take yeah. care. Yeah. I think I'm with Morocco there. So if it's a, you know, if it's a extraordinarily high percentage. Um, of people, you know, sending them back saying, you know, it's split in, it's warping, whatever it is. Um, I think that's 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 the thing. Email everybody and say, look, we I've had a few back. It could be a case of, you know, some of the stabilization wasn't perfect. But if you're not happy with it for any reason, please send it back, and I shall I shall you know, I shall replace. I think that's the way. And you know, the you'd like I'd like to think that the majority probably wouldn't anyway, because. <sighs> Because that you know, there's no issue with it. But you know, it's yeah. I think that's that's the way to do it. it just tell people that there has been some issues, um, and if they've got a problem, they're more than welcome to send it back. As opposed to just you know, everybody, a hundred people, all send the knives back. I'm going to replace them all. I think you know, let people make that decision themselves. Um, yeah. And then what do you do to the the, the guy you got the stabilizer from? Oh, I mean, I'm very much with with all of my suppliers. If 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 I don't if something doesn't work out, I don't generally kick up a stink. I just won't use them again. You know, as simple as that. They're sort of off the list. Like, well, I'll find somebody else. Um, you know, there's little point in starting a war because pff, life's way too short for that. This one comes from. <laughs> Wait, where are you? What What's are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, Jeff? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm replacing. I'm standing behind my work, but yeah. I'm not. You know, if like five of them get sent back i'm not calling the other hundred yeah yeah i'm gonna like you know but if it's like a like it's extraordinary amount i'm gonna definitely i'm gonna i stand behind my shit that's it i mean that's you know whatever it is i've i've stood behind my stuff i just recently had that uh that um serrated knife i redid i got a real nice message back from the guy and i said to him like he's like do you want me to pay for this because i didn't really and i was like no dude this is on me this is i take I stand behind my stuff, so I don't, you know, you're not getting a bill. Um, mm-hmm. This one comes mm-hmm. from Jake Norris, mm-hmm. who's in the chat. 
What's so funny? I like that. That's my that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's psychiatrist. That's my judgment notes. Yeah. That's right. That's my judgment noise. That's my noise of like, okay, now I'm making judgment. Uh, this is from Jake Norris. Jake Norris. This Chuck's son. in the chat. You love that one. That was it. That was you had all you had all the you had all of them on there. You had all it all on there. All right, so here's from Jake Norris. The great and powerful Jason Knight gifts you the last kukri he ever makes. And then someone offers you life-changing money. I love life-changing money. Someone offers you life-changing money for it. But there's a chance that Jason will find out. Do you sell the knife? J- Jake, I left you at the end because it was a really good question. This is a, one of the best questions I've heard. So we got the question. Jason Knight, he makes the last kukri of all time that he's ever going to make, and he gives it to you. And somebody says, here's some life-changing money. <laughs> There's a chance that Jason might find out about it. Do you, do you sell <laughs> By the way, Ugh. I like the verse. I like, horrible. I like, <laughs> here's, this is the best part. The best part is Grateful Knives just wrote, Craig sells. That's I like. I want the predictions from. I want the predictions from the audience of like what our answers are going to be. I'll start this one. That's, that's, I would one hundred percent sell the knife. Fucking good. I would not. But, Fucking good. But what I would. The reason is because I know that if Jason caught wind before he gave me the knife. That's not my knife. He's fucking selling that knife. I know Jason. <laughs> and so Oh yeah. So I would sell the knife. So you're gonna sell and it then I would, he sells and it. And then I would kick him back some. If it's life changing money, I can throw like I can throw him a few bones for sure. Say thanks for helping me get this sweet knife. Oh yeah. Get this sweet what money. If, but what if you got what if he was what if he was like irritated? What if he was just like, Well, I wouldn't I would have made more money than that if I just sold it myself? Well, that's his fault. Ooh, <laughs> I like I like this. This is this is this is the end of thirty six year old Morocco. He's not getting your thirty seven. He's gonna he's gonna take your money, man. Now all it takes is one year. What what's it gonna be, Craig? Okay, you know you gonna prove Grateful Knives wrong, and at some point. Brigham Kendall says, what's life-changing money for you guys? We'll have to answer mm, that at some yeah. point, too. That's a good one. Um, I think I'm selling, too. Um, of course what, you are. What, Grateful Knives already knew that. What, what the fuck am I going to do with the cookery? You know, that's, <laughs> that's not going to change my life. Put the, put the money <laughs> what, the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck am you I going to do with a cookery? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best answer. What the fuck am I going to do with a cookery? You're right. You need it. So, you yeah, need a that's not changing my life, the cookery. As much as I treasure a knife from, from Jason, um, it's it's not changing my life you know and you know i've got i've got kids to uh, provide for you know so that would be the fucking knife talk shirt of all shirts what, what the, the fuck, fuck am i gonna do, do with this <laughs> <laughs> that would be the shirt of shirts oh my god you uh, want to talk about a jihad we would we would be like you know we, all of a sudden now we can't show up at the blade show we're wearing shirts and what the fuck am i gonna do with this <laughs> that's a fucking good shirt though by the way that's like when mick jagger wore, wore that shirt on that said who the, the fuck, fuck is, is mick, mick jagger, jagger yeah. did we do like yeah what the fuck am i gonna do with this kukri is a fucking great shirt by the way, I'm buying that shirt. Uh, Brigham Kendall's buying that shirt. Everyone's buying that shirt. What the fuck am I going to do with this kukri? Is a fucking great shirt. So just letting but, you know. But just just to be fair, nobody should now go to Jason's Instagram and comment on any of his things saying, what the fuck am I going to do with that kukri? Don't. <laughs> and, that, and I'm not saying that to get people to do it. Just please don't. Sure please don't. you're not. Sure you're not. Sure you're not. 
hilarious. because these listeners are such scum, I'm not selling it because I want you, when you guys all go to Jason and say that Craig and Breck are selling the knife, I'm, I, I know what I'm doing with the kukri. I'm going to use it. I'm going to hang out with it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to be the phony today because I know you little scumbags are going to say something to him now that I think about it. I'm keeping it. Now, are you kidding me? This is sentimental value. I'm sentimental today. <laughs> So no, I'm selling that shit, dude. Are you kidding me? Guy, life changing money. My wife would be like, "What are we gonna do with this fucking kukri?" That's what she's. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. That's the best. Craig has another. Uh, you're now another champion. This is this is your this is your segment to win every single time. Uh, what's life changing money? money what do you got. guys say is life changing money? Oh. Breaking wants to know. What the fuck am I gonna do with this kukri? <laughs> fucking. That's the show. That's say. the show title. Uh, oh, it is not. It is not. I don't want to okay. hear about it because it's like it is not the show title. You are not doing the show title. Drunk. Thank you very much. Please. Uh, okay. Life changing money. Um, it's funny. It's it's not much. I don't think. Um, really. Life changing money. I mean, to put a figure on it is difficult, isn't it? I, yeah. I don't think it's much. Um, out here, specifically where we're living now, it's extremely, extremely cheap. I think if I had a million and a half in the bank, I, I'm done. I'm, you know, that's a, really that's, that's enough for the rest of your life here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, back in the UK, it certainly wouldn't be, um, but here it would be. But I'd say, you know, life changing. Given how are we, how are we defining life changing? Like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, then this is your interpretation. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think five hundred grand in the bank, tax free, would completely change my life with regards to. Again, it's all about the kids. It's all about you know you, you want the best for them growing up, and I think having five hundred k in the bank, knowing I'd be able to buy a house for them when they're old enough, knowing that I'd be able to buy their first car, I'd, I'd live the life as I'm living now. Um, but knowing I'd still be, I'd still be able to provide all these things for them without having to worry about it in the future. I think, I think five hundred k would be massively life changing for me. That's it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, Jeff? Where are you going then? What? 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 Put a figure I mean, on it's it. It's got to be. A f- it's got to be a few mil. Yeah. I mean, I, I, because like I would number one, I would want to make sure that my kid is not going to have any student loans which she's we're, we're, we've been saving since she was you know before she was born we started putting yeah. together a college fund and now we're almost there I want my wife to not have to work yeah. I want her to have the house that she's always wanted and it would be nice that I could be a little bit more um, flexible in what I was doing hmm. so I would think I would think I want to make sure that I have enough for, you know, to retire and for my wife to not have to work and do whatever she wants. But I would definitely, it would be a couple mil, I think. Grateful wow. Knives is thinks he's very funny. Couple Jeff mil. has a lot of medical bills. I don't have a lot of medical <laughs> bills. Grateful Knives. I, poke the bull and you're going to get some problems. I don't have a lot of medical bills, I think. <laughs> I think, yeah. Uh, Morocco, life changing money. What, what put well, a figure on it? Um, and, that's, and again, what is life changing? What, what, what yeah, I mean, happen? how are we? Def- that's why I was asking, how are we defining life changing? Like, we only got whatever you my, want. Me and my family change only got life. one car. So, I mean, to get a second car would change our life. 
we don't own a house to get a house get enough money for the down okay. for the house would change our life mm. that wouldn't really take that much you know the hundred thousand get mm. a new car is like ten thousand <laughs> but yeah i mean to a go new along car? no not a fuck I, I hate new cars fuck new cars I don't go. think I've ever paid over five thousand dollars for a car, ever in my life. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um. But Wait, we've, I, got, we've got we've got Chuck son in the chat actually, um, so he, he can confirm the question for us. I'd say life changing money would would be enough to live the lifestyle you're currently living without any debts. That's what uh, Jacob Norris said, who was the original uh, original. Um, yeah. So I think to go along like with what you guys were saying i think i i would only need to be like maybe 150 250,000 dollars really would that would help us get it down for a house we could get a new car we could put money in savings and then we can just keep living the life we're we're living we could pay off our debt and we could keep living the way we we've been living and we'd be good hmm cool cool okay that's that's a difficult question that because yeah i mean what could change your life you know it you know having a some people having a fucking pet dog would change their life you know so yeah <laughs> two two million a couple million is like one. a complete life overhaul to me <laughs> yes yeah well that's life changing i mean you know i want i wanted to you know i want to make sure that yeah that's right that's hmm. life changing all right how many bananas Listen, would you eat do, for five hundred k? Nick dies. Do me a favor for the people for the people in the for the people in the in the chat. You're going to be rated on your jokes, so I'm just letting you know that uh, the judgments are being passed. Trust me. Last question. You guys liking this bit? Yes, it's all yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Are you get approached by a production company to design a knife that a movie is going to be based around? You don't know anything about the movie. Do you take the job? So, all right, here's an example. There was a movie back in the early 80s. I was a little bit too young to watch it, but it was called Krull. And it was this mm. dude standing on this mountain, and he held this, like, it looked like a starfish, but it wasn't a starfish. It was, like, this five, you know, armed knife. Yeah. And it was, the movie was, like, based, it was a shitty movie. I mean, I remember. Looked, I mean, yeah. it looked terrible. So you get approached to do this movie that the the knife is going to be based on, but you don't know anything about the knife, any about the movie, like nothing. They don't mm. want to tell you anything because of whatever. They're afraid you're going to say something. I'm in. I'm in. I think I know you're in. Of course <laughs> you're in. I think if the movie's a hit, all well and good, and you know you've you know you, you've got something specific that people want from you. If the movie's a flop, who cares? Who knows? You know. Um, yeah, I'm in. I'm in, and it would be an interesting thing to do as well, you know, to learn about you know how how that kind of thing works. And um, by the way, if you're interested in that kind of thing, Jeff's podcast that was out today, um, you you learn a lot about behind the scenes of movie making. So go check yeah, out today's cool. full blast. Mareka, what are you doing? Are you are you making this this knife? I I don't know. I mean, I obviously, know. like if it I is like a flop, that and I don't know. Yeah, if it's a flop, then there's nothing to worry about. If it's, <laughs> I mean, I don't know any movie like this is gonna be uh, the Christina of knives or Christine, right? I Was don't know. I mean, you'd think that like the guy who made the Trident for Jason Momoa in in Aquaman would be like, I made that, but mm. they don't. I mean, it's not really they don't. 
Yeah. Like we're trying to find out who who did the sword for Snake Eyes for Ilya and Matt, and Nico's just like, we're trying to find. We can't figure out who. Did. We can't figure out any of it, you know. Oh, but wow. it's like, what it, what I was thinking of is is like, you know, it's like these actors who be who d- take these movies, but they're like, it it turns into shit or it's not shit. I I, I was just wondering if like, you know, you're you have to make this knife and the movies based around this knife and i don't know what it is sword or something like whatever it is but they're not going to tell you anything well it'd be interesting to know if you do it or not yeah actually i do think i would do it because i mean and what gives me hope is neil kamamura has made um, a couple swords actually for jason momoa for his apple plus series c and um Oh. And it's interesting. They're really interesting. And it's it's interesting. Like, this, the swords keep changing. Even just in the first season, he goes through, like, three different swords or something like that. Um, he used to work on his heat treat. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, the premise of the show is that everybody living in this world is blind. I don't even get so that like, joke. What, can you explain that joke to me? I don't even get that. It was a joke what that Neil needs to work on his heat treat because Jason Momoa keeps breaking the swords. It was It was a shitty joke. You loved it. <laughs> Jeff is judging the joke. And you were like, you were howling. You were howling. And I was like, did I miss some, something good? I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I would do it. I would do it, but I'd be nervous. Sure. I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous. And it makes me think about these actors who take these movies on that are so bad mm. that you're forever, you're forever seen you're forever yeah. seen as the, this person. I mean, you know, how, what was I thinking? I was thinking about something. Oh, did you guys see Val, the movie about Val Kilmer? No. Mm. It's fascinating. It's fascinating because, number one, he's incredible talent. Number two is, I'm not going to spoil it, but if you see or hear how he is right now, it is not good at all. And... It's interesting. Like he was one of the first people to have handheld cameras, and he's taking videos. He's got videos from like back when he was like in the '80s and the '70s, and when he went to Juilliard. He 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 was very very like much along the lines of an actor being an artist, an actor being an, an artist, and he take on these movies, and he had the role. He people said he was difficult, but he was just like he was fighting for some sort of creative freedom. And he hated how he was perceived. And he, it was very, it's a fascinating story. It made me think about, he had a real problem with Batman. He says, Batman, when I was in Batman, it was like, I didn't even need to be there. I just could barely move in the suit. They'd put me in a spot. I couldn't hear. I couldn't see. I couldn't move. And it was like, I didn't even have to be here. But it was very interesting because you think about these, these movies that people are locked into. You know, people are like known for. And I was thinking of like, what if it was a knife guy that you're locked into an opera, you're locked into something that you just were like, I shouldn't have done this. And, you know, is this something that I'm going to have, I'm going to regret for the rest of my life? Like, let's be clear. I'm sure some of the guys at Forge and Fire, I'm sure Doug Markaita is sick of people coming up to him in the street saying, he will kill. (laughs) I'm sure it annoys him to a certain degree at some point. It has to, because it's just like, yes, I know it will kill. Yes. Thank you for watching the show. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't know. I think 
like we talked about, the, the chances of a knife maker being sort of branded with that knife, you know, it's it's not really going to happen, is it? You know, you know, there's still, to, you know, people still say who made that ra- the, the Rambo knife, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, it's it's there's only a small inner circle that would ever know anyway, I think. Okay. Well, but I mean, it's only a matter of time before, like, you look at people like Jesse James, the motorcycle builder. It's only a matter of time before someone breaks out. It's probably Neil. It's probably Neil is probably the most famous, you know, in terms of like Hollywood movie knives now. And, you know, he's, you know, that, he's making that kind of turn towards popular culture in regards to knife makers and sword makers and stuff like that. It's only a matter of time before. You know, probably Bob started that and, and Quentin and all these guys who started getting popular and the, the whole, the popularity of custom knife makers, it's only a matter of time before it crosses over in terms of like, I don't know, back in the day, if you ever remember people wearing the Von Dutch shirts, the yeah. shirts that were like, you know, so it's only a matter of time before something similar to that or Ed Hardy or whatever, tattooing and following people and it's seeing, becoming more and more something in popular culture. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't really given it that much thought, yeah. but well, yeah, also, we, we've yet to see it happen. But there's, there's a chance it could. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's gonna happen. Of course, people need something. They need something that they can tie themselves to. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and if the knife thing ended up being terrible, if that's a if that's what you end up going out on, that's what you'll always be known for. And if if you can't right. outdo that, then that's on you, honestly. And be able to, especially if it's a f- huge fucking flop. If you can't move on from that and do something Val better, Val Kilmer out- says that of all the movies he's ever been in, he's most noted noted for Top Gun. It was his first Iceman. major movie, Iceman. Right? They call him Iceman. They, people walk in the street and call him Iceman. Yeah, versus right. all the other movies he's done, and it was interesting because I wonder how that feels. Where? Pardon me. What did you say? Are you there? I was crapped out, I think. Okay, well, the, well the, might really, the, the issue is... It, are you there? I might be here. What was the question? I, I didn't hear anything. There you go. The, you know, basically it was Val Kilmer is really known for the first thing he's ever done. How would you feel if you were known only... You couldn't... You never topped... You never topped that first thing you've ever done. So years have passed and it's like, no matter how hard you try, you'll, you'll only be known for that thing that you did... Hmm. 15 20 years ago sure yeah i don't know it's hard yeah i know i know him best from willow it's hard because willow was the first movie i ever saw him in did you guys ever see that he's mad mardigan i never saw it but i heard of david david bowie in that as well isn't he no i don't know david bowie i don't think it was david i don't think bowie was in it thought he was but uh you know it is an interesting i would highly recommend if you want to be a little bit like you know, it's very thought-provoking in terms of, like, do you take the money or are you an artist? Like, on the Island of Doc, he was on the, this movie Island of Dr. Moreau. He did it with um, Marlon Brando. And it was an incredibly difficult scene, mm-hmm. set. And he was, he, it was so bad that the, they, the, they, the, the dire- original director couldn't control the, the set. And they got rid of him and they brought in a fucking murderer, like a guy who was like, I know how to make this shit run. Yeah. And Val Kilmer's whole thing was, I wasn't looking forward to acting with 
you know, uh, Marlon Brando and Marlon Brando's like, you know, who, whatever, you know, <laughs> Marlon Brando's doing whatever he's doing. And he's having this real contentious relationship with the new director to the point where he's video cameraing him talking to him and the guy's like you have to turn the video camera off and Val says you've been very aggressive towards me I need to make sure that and this is like you know whatever 15 some odd years ago it's about this artistic idea and like what your, your expectations and you know are you going to be just known for being in Willow or are you able to basically the idea is is like are you going to are you going to is your shield are you going to be set out on this one knife yeah does that make sense yeah yeah it makes sense um Never given it that much thought, but yeah, difficult. And it, you know, it could be for any industry as well. You know, whether you're sure. a, a, a musician and you're known for your, your one-hit wonder, but you, I've got like 15 albums as well. You know, that much, you know, much better songs. But everybody knows this one song, which yeah, one of those things. Unfortunately, in Ro- the music industry, just and then I'll let you go. Yeah, in go the on. music industry, if you're known as a one-hit wonder, how do you think you feel? Oh, terrible. Can you imagine being Chesney Hawks? Still, Who? uh, Who's uh, Chesney Hawks? <laughs> yeah, okay. Sing uh, it. That's a very sort of British reference, I suppose. But he had oh, the song called The One and Only, and that's like the only song people know him for. And he still tours now to this day. And this was back in the, I'd imagine, the late 80s. This was oh a hit. Oh, my God. Still wow. tours to this day. And that's that's all people want to hear, you know? That's all people want to hear. They, they don't give a shit about his, his other stuff, and it's probably is far better. But you know, there's so many artists like that. Yeah, even you know, even the, the Rolling Stones go on stage, and, and you know, they're, they're asked to play Satisfaction, and they're like, "Do we really need to be playing this shit anymore?" You know, it's they, it's, it's they, what they you're love known it. for. It's what you're known for, and it, it's yeah, it's one of those things. What's worse is that for the Rolling Stones is they play Keith songs when people are ready to go to the bathroom. That's the bad part. <laughs> like when, like when, the, when Ke- I love when Keith has his own songs. Does when everyone heads to the bathroom, and that's when like <laughs> Mick changes clothes, and they they put yeah. they put poor Keith has to like he's like the the middle act. It's so, so yeah. sad. So okay, we've talked enough about this. Let's save our listeners some money. Um, so let's talk about um, Dharma Steel. Um, so they're a sponsor of the show, but what we like to do every week is find um, a knife which is made by Dharma Steel and sort of highlight that maker. And I found a beauty this week. So we've got this one. Um, it's a beauty. They're using Dharma Steel. Let me pull up the details here. I've got it all here. It's, it's, it's wow. made, made by Gentry Custom Knives um, using Dharma Steel, obviously. Um, and this is their, their, I think it's Aegea pattern. A-E-G-I-R. That's the pattern. I've got another picture over here as well. Um Beautiful, beautiful knife, and the handle is something stunning and stunning as well. So, yeah, that's uh, Gentry Custom Knives has made that. So go, go follow them. Um, have a look at, um, have a look at his beautiful knives. And if you want to make a knife as beautiful as this, it can certainly help by getting yourself some Dharma Steel. Um, so head on over to Dharma Steel. If you sign up um, on there, you can look at their shop. You can buy the steel and so on. You can get ten percent off if you use Knife Talk ten. Um, and also go follow them on Instagram at Dharma Steel Lab, and you'll see lots of inspiration, lots of great knives that people have made, just like Gentry Custom Knives has made here. Um, but you know, so we've got you the we've got you the uh, the grinding belts, we've got you the, the you know the hand sanding uh, paper that you need as well. We've got you some steel. All you need now is a good grinder, um, and we can also get you a discount on one of the best in the business. Um, and Morocco has sort of made a 
hint earlier about something that they're working on with him. Morocco, tell us about your grinder. Yeah, so I got a Broadback, and I love it because it's like the transformer of grinders. <laughs> they have so many different tool arms. They got the surface grinder, they got the buffing arm, they got the small wheel attachment, they got the slack belts, they got they got the disc, they got the integral platen, they got the extra. They come standard with an extra long platen, and and they also have these new. Uh, uh, out, I guess before my grinder, they have a these deep, extra deep platens, um, and you know what's really the the coolest thing is like these guys' dedication to these machines is immense. You know, I actually was just talking with Vince and, and Ryan just yesterday, and they they really care about how they're working. They get a lot of feedback from everybody. They also take. Uh, constructive feedback too and they make modifications and and you know because they they are knife makers building and engineering these machines for knife makers you know it, it works horizontally and vertically and it's just a really great all-around machine and if you don't need say you don't need a chassis what's really smart about the way they've designed these is that the tool arms the various tool arms all those ones i listed earlier they have made those cross platform tool arms so even if you don't need a chassis you can still use their tool arms because they're incredibly handy and versatile and so yeah if you go to broadback what is it broadback grinders <laughs> Broadbeckironworks.com. Ironworks.com. You put in Knife Talk 10. You can save yourself 10%. And uh, again, coming out in a couple weeks uh, is a platen that I kind of help co design with them um, for the way specifically I do my blade grinding and handle sculpting and everything. And uh, it's got extra, extra depth behind the platen. The platen is a little bit shorter to accommodate that. the the, because it has a four-inch wheel at the bottom, instead of two uh, aluminum idle wheels at the top and the bottom, they have—they're both contact wheels. There's a two-inch at the top and a four-inch at the bottom, and so it's—it's going to be a really handy, flexible, super versatile platen. And I'm really excited to get a hold of mine and put it to use. Cool, cool. Let's take one more question before we head off, um, and this is linked actually to 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 a platen. So this is from Michael Ward who um, Instagrammed us a question. Um, when leather or a soft backing is glued to the platen, um, do you have any problems with it flying off because the glue failed due to the heat? Um, and he says, thank you for the show. Um, so what he's saying is a lot of people will put a soft uh, backing on their platen to give you a bit of sort of cushioning, I suppose, so you don't get those harder edges. Um, and he's saying with that heat buildup, has that ever come off and caused a problem for you? Um, Barreco, I know I know you do that a fair bit, don't you? So have you ever had an issue with that glue failing and <clears throat> issues so happening? I don't actually glue anything to my platen. Um, th oh. In the past, what I've done is I have... So say you got your platen, which the, the listeners are not going to be able to see what I'm doing. But on the back side, you can kind of screw a plate and then basically clamp it to the back side of the platen and then flop it over the front. That way you're not messing with any glue. And if you don't want that soft cushion, you can fold it out of the way and still run your grinder normal. I've never messed with glue because it's just a big unnecessary mess. And the likelihood, especially from the built-up heat of it staying on there very well, is not good because um, most glues start 
deteriorating and failing at like what 200 degrees 250 degrees it doesn't actually honestly take very much for that to start failing um other things i've done in the past too is like piggyback belts so i might put like a a scotch bright belt underneath a, mm. a 400 belt or something like that and there is a little bit of slack in there um but it helps give that cushion and instead of it just being one constant one piece that's constantly getting pressure on it it's rotating around through through the entire machine and it is um you know it's kind of getting even wear and evenly getting worn down over 72 inches of scotch bright belt versus just whatever your 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 nine or ten inch platen you got yeah that's a that's a great tip about having screwed on from the back having some leather or whatever it may be and then just being able to flop it down over the platen and then just move it up the way you're not using it yeah and i usually i'm gonna i'm gonna take that I usually take like a just like a little piece of mild steel bar so it acts as a clamp so it's not just screws holding Mm. it in but it's actually like a flat clamp bar um, that's holding it down nice nice Jeff what do you use to soften your platen I usually put a piece of scotch bright on and I use uh, masking tape and I hold the mat the masking tape holds the scotch bright on Uh, I'm not using it as much I use it sometimes for yeah I, I use it every so often i have one i have one arm with that on hmm. uh, but that's i don't really futz around too much uh with glue i don't want to deal with glue the only glue i really use is i use feathering paste um on the disc sander and i wish there was a different way i it's i don't i'm not crazy about it messy so. yeah okay i think that is a show can I just one quickie, sure. one quick thing? Sure. I had a couple of uh, a couple of events that are happening, and I promised that I would say this. Uh, Bob Menard sent me a message about uh, a fall meetup announcement. The New England Blacksmiths, uh, September seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth in Brentwood. Uh, Zivik Gottlieb, my old buddy Zivik. Um, is going to be presenting there, and go to the NEB website. You should, all, if you're in North America, you should be a members of the NEB. It's definitely worth it. Uh, they have a lot of great things going on with uh, Justin and all those guys. Um, but the NEB is going to have a meet the 17th, 18th, and 19th of September. Hopefully, you know, hopefully everything's okay. Um, and just to make make things even better is. I have a story about Zivik taking Uri Hoffi to a titty bar. So if you see him, if you, you and you can only ask him if you're at the NEB event. So ask him at the, if you go to the NEB event, ask him about that story because I know it and it is good. And um, that's number one. And number two is, I just got off the phone with the guys at um, the Modern Forge, Cliff, Jesse, and uh, John Ariani, another birthday boy. And we are going to be at the Catskill Mountain Makers Camp October 8th through the 11th. We might not, I mean, some of us, we're going to definitely be there. I'm definitely going to be there Saturday and Sunday, but it's going to be October 8th through the 11th. They are preparing to have it. Um, not any, there's not anything that's going to make it canceled. It's all outdoor. It's going to be outdoors. Uh, definitely make, uh, you can purchase tickets if you go to the Catskill Mountain Makers Camp. Um, and uh, they have had a really, really great uh, turnout in, in the past, and they're really looking forward to a big showing this year, and we'll be there. And I might actually – John has convinced me to do a live podcast, a live full-blast podcast at oh, wow. Maker's Camp, so we'll, mm. we're going to figure out a way to do that. To so piggyback your, oh, uh, sorry. your Maker's Camp news, I actually – 
I had a call or a conversation with Austin the other day, and I was going to be there to present, and I'm, I'm, I've had to back out. So I will not be there, unfortunately, to spend time with you guys. Um, yeah, just okay. everything with well, what's going next on. year. Yeah, everything that's yeah. going on with the COVID. Understandable. It's just isn't the time. It's not any risk with the, especially yeah, with right. the flight travel, it's is right. not worth it. You don't have so. to. You don't have to. You don't have to explain yourself. I feel for bad. Decisions. I feel bad. We shouldn't feel bad. We shouldn't feel well, bad. It's not. You're just out of your control. Hmm. It's out of your control. It's crazy I mean, times. You know, I had to cancel things too. It's out of my control. It's the way it is. We'll we'll, we'll see you next year. I hope yeah. so. Trust me. I'm gonna be sleeping in my car. I don't think I'm gonna be sleeping. I mean, who knows what the hell I'm gonna be doing? I'm like, we'll see. But I'll be there. That's for sure. As long as it's happening, we will be there. So, cool, cool. Okay, that's the show. Thank you all for listening, and for those in the chat, thank you for getting involved again. It's always fun to have people there, and we can sort of riff off as well. So, thank you all so much. Thank you to our sponsors, and we shall speak to you all again next week. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You should not feel bad. I wouldn't fly. If I had to go fly there, I'd be like, I wouldn't even feel bad about it. I'd be like, Oh fuck no! I'm not sure, yeah, and I actually, and that was part of my message to Austin. Like, if I lived in the Northeast, still, that'd be a totally different thing. I could drive there by myself. I could sleep in the back of my fucking right. truck. Like, it would be a completely different game. But the concern of whatever I might pick up or potentially spread to somebody else, either like, there fine. or back, is but, always a concern. Or bring back to my own family. So, whatever it's just, you, you don't have to explain yourself. It. You don't have to explain yourself. It's the yep. way it is. No. You know what? I can't wait until, you know, thing, I say things are back to normal, until we can travel again and so on. I was speaking to Fingal this, this, earlier this week, and um, he was saying, we were wondering, Jeff, if, whether you'll be going back to Spain. And he said, probably, probably won't, unfortunately, you know, anytime soon. Are you talking to me? Yes, yeah, because we were saying, wouldn't it be great if we, all, if we could all meet up and maybe go to, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about food, basically. Right. And we were talking about San Sebastian isn't far from Barcelona. And it's it's like a massive sort of food right. capital, you know. It's it's like great tapas. And everywhere in San Sebastian, there seems to have a Michelin star there. You know, even the street food, you know, it's, it's an incredible place for such a small village. And we were saying, you know, next time you get into Spain, maybe we could all sort of congregate there and have a weekend of just, you know, drinks and great food. And it was like, oh, can you imagine how great it'll be when people can... Well, don't you feel bad that too. you don't you fad, do you feel bad that you bailed on us the last time? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do feel bad that I because I know I missed out on a great time. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's my I mean, here's our opinion about it. My my wife went on a trip and she felt confident in she felt confident in the way the FAA she was very she's very, you know, by the book. She yeah. was very confident in and how things were handled on the airplane that she was on. And mm. with that said, if that makes you feel any better. If, you know, hopefully things get under control, I would, you know, I would, I'll talk to Tomer in October and we'll probably start to really kind of think about next year. We'll, I mean, we want to do it again and, and we'll hmm. just, we'll see how it goes. I mean, he had to, he had already, the last time was, he already sold tickets. He had to refund the tickets to, to the people's, you know, uh, thing. Well, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it's like, 
not a big deal. But I mean, you know, I, I would definitely, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'd go back next summer, uh, summer if, if things are kind of normal. I'll be, I'll be yeah. perfectly happy to do it. I'd love to. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to this not being the issue that stops us from doing stuff. I also, you know, I'm saying that from the comfort of not having to see anybody at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, which I love too. You know, it's really weird. We're in this weird bubble here where I live. So we're in this tiny village where nobody within a like a 50 kilometer uh, radius of us has caught COVID, you know, because we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, there's so few people here. So, you know, our local bar is open, you know, but everybody sits outside and, you know, everybody's sort of socially distanced and all the rest of it. And it feels in our little bubble as if everybody's completely safe. It's only when we go in and we look at the news and we see, but especially, I mean, France, is it's gone crazy again. But it's, it doesn't, you know, it hasn't affected our villages, you know. And it's, so it just seems so weird. And yeah, I just, yeah, I just can't wait until it's, it's something that we don't need to think about, you know. It's just. I know people who've gotten Delta, direct Delta. Like right. I know that, I know a few people who recently, within the past month, and who are not far from us. So yeah. it's like, you know, it's going to be one of those things that we're going to have to just kind of, you know, soldier on at some point yeah. and figure something out. But, you know, we'll see. It, it is. It has become, it's interesting because in two weeks I did an episode with Tony and it's going to go on in two weeks and we talked about, you know, COVID vaccines and the restaurant business and how COVID is changing the restaurant industry because it's like, it's totally changing the restaurant industry yeah. for the for the future. I mean, it's never going to be the same. So, h- right. how are restaurants now compared? To, I mean, we, we we talked about restaurants maybe a year ago, saying everybody was closing and everything it was just terrible. Over here, I'd you know things have opened, um, but you know people aren't maybe going out as much anyway, so people are spending less money, I suppose. Um, but when they are open, obviously they got more sort of space in, so they can do less covers, that kind of thing. How are you finding it over there? Is, is it a similar story? I think that people in my area are, are going out this, the way they... I mean, it doesn't look like there's an issue. It doesn't right. look like there's an issue. Um, the hardest part, especially in New York, is... And it is controversial, and it is like one of those things that has become, you know, once again, the restaurant industry has become the whipping boy of society. This, mm-hmm. the, the past two years, the restaurant industry has been kicked and kicked in the balls every five minutes. Now in the state of New York, their, their, their uh, de Blasio is saying that you, you, restaurants are responsible for basically carding people for the, uh, what they're calling the vaccine passport, which is kind of like you're kind of mishandling the whole situation when you, when you, the way people are referring to it. But they're now that the city is now going to start to put the restaurants on notice that they're responsible for checking the passports of, you know, people's yeah. vaccine records, which is, it shouldn't be on the, it shouldn't be on the, the, it shouldn't be part of the job of the restaurant tour. Yeah, you know, but well, it, and well, it, then, is, it is here already. So um, even our local bar, you need to show your your your, your health pass um, to be served and so on. It sucks. I fucking yeah. feel for these. I f- feel for these restaurant people because then all of a sudden, then there are other restaurant tours who are being, you know, they're doing this, you know, social peacocking or whatever. I mean, however mm. you feel about it, but they're like making the stand on social media saying we're you know you can't come to our restaurants without and you're turning into this like every single comment section is turned into this monstrous fight from people who 
probably don't even go to the restaurant. You know, it's like, it's not even the people who go to the restaurant. I actually, I was talking to uh, Tony about, there's a chef named Mark Vetri who, in Philadelphia, one of the best Italian chefs in the United States. He video, he played a voicemail message from a guy just cursing him out, you know, on, the, on their voicemail. And he just played it. And you could tell this guy is like totally unnecessary, complete adult, just totally unnecessary. Fuck you. I hope you're a piece of shit. I hope you, you know, your restaurant closes up. And, and then you're just like, you can just tell like this guy never went to this restaurant before. Hmm. This guy's not a customer of his. This is like some fucking guy who's just mad. Yeah. It sucks, man. If I feel fucking, and then meanwhile, I can't get the people to come into work. You know, I see. Yeah, that's another. That's terrible. all I'm seeing is restaurants terrible. looking for staff. You know, except for get, get except for except for guess who? Guess who's cleaning up? Who's that? McDonald's, your favorite McDonald's. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> yeah, because who eats at McDonald's anyway? It's all drive-through. It's fucking tight business. People get in the yeah. car, go. Go get the go get the the uh, Lockwood with cheese and uh, <laughs> go back to bed. Stuff. and eat it in bed. Go yeah. back to bed. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I up. actually I saw recently that McDonald's is doing branded meals now. There's some celebrity or influencer named Sweetie, and there's a new Sweetie meal that you can get. It's like oh. an it's like an adult Happy Meal basically. Um, but it's named what, after they, this chick. They come up, I suppose that. People, Mr. Beast did that thing, didn't he? Where he was, uh, right. he had the Beast Burger. Right. Who's Mr. And Beast? Mr. Beast is a YouTuber, and he basically just gives away money on YouTube. It's, it's it's the weirdest concept ever, but he's got like I don't know tens and tens of millions of followers, and he opened up a restaurant, a burger chain, um, called Mr. Beast, and the whole idea was it was you know during the first pandemic he was getting people um, working, I suppose you know. Um, but it just showed that they sold. They, you know, it was it was crazy. So I suppose people at McDonald's probably saw that and thought, well, if we can get some sort of celebrity endorsement, we can we can sell shitloads. Yeah, sure. Last but not least, we need to be we need to be topical, guys. OnlyFans has made the decision that they will not they will they will stop people from doing sexually explicit material on their OnlyFans. Really? In this fall. They're going to stop the sexually explicit to the extent of how much. I don't know. I don't really go on. We can talk about it. What do you think about that? Because it is fascinating. A fascinating part of society. Well, that's so only 50% of my can't... income gone down the toilet overnight. <laughs> that's why you need the life-changing money, dude. you gotta sell. You got to sell what the fuck you can do with that kukri and get yourself your OnlyFans money back. Uh, uh, I, I, it's just a, I think that's just a press thing. It is what it is. Now. I, don't, I don't think that service was originally set up for that purpose. But like, like, like you know, sex sells in, in every industry, and I think they sort of adopted that platform. So I think they may say these things, but where they will actually be shutting people down who are making money. People are making people are making real money. Yeah, putting their genitals out on the video. <laughs> I mean, life changing money, just showing your butt. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think, Baracko? I actually, honestly, don't know anything about OnlyFans other than that. The, apparently, right. people do porn on there. <laughs> Yeah. Seriously, it's it's p- basically people who are you know they want it they'll it's like a your own. Well, here's what I like about the concept. I have n- I have I have I have I have too many subscriptions as it is, so I can't <laughs> add one more. I cannot add one more. I have to get rid of a couple because I need to like put into something different. But I like the idea that sex workers are no longer are no longer they don't have a the concept of the pimp 
is yeah. something odious to me. And I think yeah. that the, the ability for these sex workers who have a limited run I mean, let's be honest. They have a limited run. I mean, it gets to the point where I don't it's just know. like, uh, yeah. the fetish just well, changes with I've age. seen some of these on OnlyFans because I don't, I don't look. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can imagine some of the people on there. They, they may be stretching their luck a little. Oh, eking, is that what you call eking, it? Their luck? out their final years, trying, still trying to bring some sort of income in. Well, <laughs> sex work is not, a, not a, it's a young person's game, I would think. And for them to kind of try to make money... you by themselves I think is, is is very good I don't like with the internet how they create these platforms and then we create this idea of it's the wild west and then all of a sudden they go back and then they change things because they feel like they don't like it I don't like that like that's the mm-hmm. one thing about this is like you have people who have made like millions of dollars I mean there are people ordinary people I saw I had one article about this about this woman who you know, she was a mother and she, her kids, their kids went to Catholic school and the Catholic school threw them out because they found out that she's got an OnlyFans page. And it was like, she was making like $200,000 a month, you know, putting her, putting her, <laughs> putting her ass on the, out on the line. And I, you know what, I kind of commend her for that. And I dislike mm. the fact that this service is now like all of a sudden what we've been known for, we don't <clears throat> like it. We don't like what we've been yeah. known for. I don't think you can do that. It is crazy. Yeah. When you yeah. first sent that article, my first thought was that they're trying to clean up their image to sell because what if it brings in right. that much money, why would they get rid of that stream of income? Yeah. Other Plus than looking to IPO or something. Yeah. It's it, an image thing. Yeah. I think that it's an image thing, but it's it's I think you've set that, you know, you open the door for this and you can't just like Fa- if, if this was like Periscope or something that just didn't catch on, hmm. you wouldn't really wouldn't do anything. But now all of a sudden it's, it's hot as hell. People are getting you know subscriptions to like this. What was that? Was there some woman who did her first OnlyFans page and got like a million dollars in like under an hour? You got to let these people give Jeez. their uh, their. Uh, I don't like the fact. I didn't. Li- I don't like the fact that there are people out there trying to eke out some money, yeah. and then they're yanking it back, so to yeah. speak. I, they you should just they own say. it. They should own it. That's what the plat- yeah. platform is used for. Own it. I mean, you know, it's. I told Honor Kagler, he's got a, you know, much time. He has to stick that dick out. You <laughs> can make his money before they, before they, before they take it away. I have a feeling you know? there's not that many men taking pictures of their dicks on OnlyFans and making a lot of money, as opposed to Dude, the opposite sex. We got a couple of months. We got a couple of We got a couple of months. You got a chance. Well, we could do an experiment. You just take, do the, the old, the old, you know, the old eight, eight bananas and see where we're at. <laughs> oh, the banana party trick. Just, just a channel. Just that happening. Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, can't get much better than that, can you? Yeah. So talking about party tricks um, and stuff going up the tailpipe. What we we sort of rudely interrupted you last week, oh, sorry, yeah. and it's quite a serious subject. I'm a, we've yeah, had a lot of people, serious subject. A lot of people saying that was you shouldn't really cut you off, and I do apologize. Right. That wasn't well. It's wasn't you right. know, I understand. It's you know, it's one of those things that um, you know. I got a couple of angry emails about my the biopsy results of uh, my colonoscopy, and I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to tell you. So I got it back, and here's what happened. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.